welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Lisa. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing really good. I've been so excited to have you on here. You've written a book called For the Silenced Ones. Your book is listed as a fictional memoir. Why is that? Well, um, in writing the book, I knew that the subject matter was going to be a difficult one for a lot of people. Um, And so I just really wanted to provide a way, one, for the story to be told in a way that would make more sense. Because um, with the story of a survivor, of especially this type of abuse, um, there's just a journey. And sometimes that journey is really long. Uh, Mine was very long, my personal journey. And to make sense of it, I needed to be able to put it in a format that um, would flow better. I also did that to be able to protect people in my life that are still around and um, I didn't want to put them in any place that would not be good. So, and honestly, I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and with Father, Heavenly Father. And I just really felt like that was what he wanted me to do. Um, In the process of writing the book, that was uh, probably about five years ago, I knew I would be writing parts of my story in some type of form and in the process of doing that when it came time that I knew it was it was time that it was confirmed to me many times that it was time to start writing which was a really difficult process to do which I know because you've done that so I, I, I understand how hard that is to write things down um but in that process The first thing that the Holy Spirit led me to do was to actually read a historical fiction um, called uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin. I don't know if any of the listeners out there are are familiar with that book, but it's basically um, about the Civil War era. And some people say that it caused the Civil War, that it was the spark of it, uh, just because it exposed the evils of it um, in a way that people could understand. So as I read that book, I understood that the Holy Spirit was telling me to write my story, which is the memoir part, in a form that people would be able to tolerate, that they would be able to understand it better. So um, there's, there's some things in the story that aren't true. That's the fictional part. And there's other parts of it that are true. What I tried to do was take the, um, the important parts of the journey that would be comparable to uh, other people's stories that I've heard. And, um, and to bring out the parts of healing and restoration that people needed to hear. But, you know, I, it's, it's basically been like a 15 year journey for me now. And to take that and to put it in a form of a book of 21 chapters, (laughs) you know, that's, uh, that's a process. And, and I knew that, um, it wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if I wrote it uh, as strictly a memoir. So um, my editor and I actually came up with that new genre book called uh, a fictional memoir. There's enough of it in there to be fictional. And then there's enough of it to be a memoir. So um, I hope that that answered your question. Well, yeah. okay. So, so you are a survivor of satanic ritual abuse. 
I am. That is my story. Um, you know, whenever this, that's not something you really want to be quote branded with. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I feel like I'm in the process of overcoming and when I was, um, first on my healing journey, I had, I really had no idea that was a part of my story. I knew I was very afraid of anything satanic. Um, I never went and studied up on satanic rituals or anything like that. Uh, I stayed as far away from any body or anything that looked anywhere close to it because I would be extremely triggered by it. Um, so I, I've been a believer since um, I was young and... You know, I just really didn't understand that was part of my story, but I was having panic attacks. I was having depression. I was having suicidal thoughts. I was having all these things going off inside of me and I didn't know, um, I didn't know what was going on. I had lots of blank spaces. I really didn't have an idea of a lot of my childhood. So this is pretty much typical from what I understand of survivors of different types of uh, as children it doesn't have to be sra um which is satanic ritual abuse uh it, it can be other things uh that may have been sexual trauma or domestic violence you know there's other things that can cause that type of trauma in a child but i had no idea really until i started um going to an inner healing minister and the Lord started to reveal those things to me. So did that answer your question well? Yes. And I've read your book. Your book is amazing because it's it's so well written. And what I really liked was how well you chronicled your healing journey, how God came alongside of you and how he helped you through it. In In the book, you talk about uh, the father as being a Christian minister. Was that true for your own story? Um, yes. And along my own healing, I have found that a lot of the people that have come in contact with it have similar stories. That uh, there was someone in their life that was the abuser that had to do with the church, whether their father was a pastor or they were on the mission field and their parents were missionaries. Um, it, in my experience, I have found that to be, it, it's more, it's more common than what you think. Now, okay. but it may be sexual abuse or some other type of, you know, um, abuse as a child. But there's a lot of cases where um, the perpetrator is in church leadership. So I have I've just found that it's not it's not as far out there as you might think. So. Right. Well, my own father was worship leader and teenage Sunday school teacher in our church where I was growing up. So, yeah, that's that's really confusing. So how did you keep from. Like, your relationship with God was strong through the years, correct? Yes. it. It's interesting, though, because 
a lot of my true intimacy with the Lord has happened actually through the inner healing process. So I was really, I was really afraid of like psychology, psychologist sort of thing, um, even meds for that. So whenever the depression and the, basically like I would panic if I went out of the house type of thing, um, social anxiety, a lot of that. And so, and, and this was as a young, um, you know, in my thirties type of thing is when that sort of hit. But, uh, basically with that, when those triggers started to go off, I didn't go out and seek like medical attention. Um, I really was led on the path of inner healing through an inner, inner healing minister. So I haven't explored those other things, but, um, although I was on like some anti-anxiety medicine for a while because it just helped curb stuff, but relationship with the Lord, it was there. It was intact. I, I did have a relationship with the Holy spirit, but things were numb. Um, so like in my 20, say, I, I remember telling uh, someone in the church who was a mentor of mine at the time that I had never experienced the love of God. And they just looked at me with this dumbfounded look on their face and were like, what do you mean you've never experienced the love of God? Of course you have. And I was like, no, really, I haven't. Like, I, I hear you talking about it. I understand the concept of it, but I've never felt the love of God and they really just brushed me off and they were a church leader they were just kind of brushed me off and just said well that you know like that's impossible how could you not know the love of God wow I didn't I hadn't felt the love of God I didn't know what that really meant um joy eluded me I I, I didn't feel joy I didn't know what it it meant now I'd feel excitement sometimes but my emotions were so um, pressed down. I, I had to keep things at an even level all the time from, a, from an early age. Because good or bad, it would, it would send me into feeling sick. So if I got too emotional, like on the sad or, you know, something happened, I, I would get sick for a week or two. If I got too excited, like I went to a basketball game and got really excited, I would feel sick for a week or two. Wow. So I just had to stay in this numb place. And that definitely affected my relationship with the Lord. <laughs> if you can't feel joy, the joy of the Lord is our strength, right? So right. I was in a constant state of, um, of numbville and just trying to survive. And, and no one could explain, you know, why am I having thoughts of I need to get to the hospital or stay close to, the, you know, <laughs> right, These right. Trauma thoughts, you know, nobody or reactions, really, most of the time, I wasn't even thoughts. Um, but my relationship with the Lord really, actually, I learned who he was through going on my healing journey. I learned to interact with him. I learned to talk with him. I learned to see him in my mind's eye, um, on my, my, uh, redeemed holy imagination screen. I, I, I learned to interact with him and through that, through that healing journey, 
and so from that part of it, like I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, and as he's healed my heart, now I can experience joy. Now I can experience his love. And it's amazing. But when you got all that other stuff back there and you're, you're, you're so pressed down by all that, you really can't. Right. You know, so anyway, so yes, I have had a relationship with the Lord all along. Part of it was simply out of fear too, I think, because, you know, you're, you're taught if you, if you step out of the church, the devil's going to get you. If you, you know, if you you don't do the deal, you don't do the, the chart, the steps, you know, was this through the occult messages or was this through the Christian church messages? That's just through the, I mean, it was both, but, but it continued. It's just, I think it's just a part of our religious system as a whole through most churches that mess if you leave the church or and i'm talking about the four walls here okay not the body but if you leave the system then you're going to get whacked and i was terrified i i I didn't want to get whacked like i had already been whacked a lot by the devil and i didn't want to get i i really did love god but i had no um, it was mostly out of fear though. So like fear that God was going to whack you, uh, that I would be punished. Yeah. And I think, you know, the Bible says that fear has to do with punishment. So right. obeyed God, then I was going to be punished and, you know, left out there for the enemy to attack me. So a lot of my, my, I've had people that have been like, I can't believe you stayed in the church. I can't believe how could you even follow God going through your story? And it's like, well, because one, I truly did have a relationship with him and I loved him. Like I, I did know like all the stuff as, as the stuff came up, I knew that wasn't him kind of, I mean, there's parts of me that did parts of me that didn't, but as the more I've gotten to know him, then of course I know he really is good. He really is love. But a lot of, most of my life was fear-based. Most of what I did was fear-based staying in the church was fear-based because and and to you know I'm married my husband he wants to be in church so there was part of that was with him too but 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 really that was initially why I was there I think more than it was just because I love God and wanted to serve him so is I hope I'm making sense Um, yeah absolutely how did you di- how did you differentiate your dad being a minister though and God? Because that had to be very confusing. I, I think for those that are abused within the church, I, I've just seen that that's the hard from my experience. Okay, and I'm not mm-hmm. down else's experience because everybody has a different grid of what they've gone through and stuff, but. It is extremely confusing, um, especially to the, the inner child inside of you, to the one that's not quite the adult yet, you know, to differentiate between a loving father, because there was two aspects, okay? So one, I'm trying to understand God is a loving father, and I'm also trying to understand um, the, like God is good. 
because you have the father figure who is supposed to represent who God is, but now he's also the pastor. Um, and so it was extremely confusing. There are still sometimes that things will come up in me um, for healing purposes. My, my biggest thing was it was hard uh, to see God as truly good and not be afraid that he was going to abuse me. That truly was one of the biggest lies that I had to overcome and still overcome sometimes um, because it was so mixed up in the child mind. So uh, how did you get straight who God really was? How did you get to differentiate that? Through experiencing him coming to me mainly through those memories. Now, now I don't believe that everybody has to go on the journey that I went on. Okay. There are many, many paths to, to healing. God is a super creative God and he loves us and he knows what's path is best for us. So I want to say that up front in even writing the book, my expectation wasn't that everyone was going to have the same healing journey as me. Um, but in the healing journey, when I would have these horrific memories come up, I would see Jesus walk into that place with me and he would be the exact opposite of everything that was evil. He would be the exact opposite that was being done to me. The exact opposite of everything my father was. And it was through experiencing Jesus, through experiencing the Holy Spirit, through experiencing the Heavenly Father, in the middle of the worst places and him changing it and him taking the pain away. Um, that's how I really came to understand that he, he is good, that he really loves us, that he really wants to help us and to deliver us from those places of darkness. And it also came through other people. It came through, you know, my inner healing minister who was consistently kind and good and um, speaking to me as a, as a true father would. It came through my husband supporting me and loving me. It came through a few friends that the Lord brought alongside of me um, that listened, that heard me, that, that processed my story and allowed me to process with them and really showed me what love looked like. So that, that was, it was more through experience. I knew the word of God and yes, he used the word of God, but it was more through the experiencing of the word of God through him showing up through people, um, that I really began to, to, to differentiate the two because the abusers used the word of God against me. So I couldn't just open up my Bible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like, like I did the, I did what people told me to do when, when the counselors, the church, the pastors would be like, well, you just need to memorize all these scriptures. You just need to renew your mind. Like I did it, but it never, it would work temporarily and it'd help a little bit, but then the, all the other stuff would come crashing back in as soon as I stopped or just not even when I stopped, but it just come crashing back in on me if I got triggered. So it really has been through that experience, through forgiving people, 
um, in releasing those judgments and those vows that I made and allowing Jesus to heal the actual roots of where the trauma has come from. And like I said, I'm still in that process of doing that. But that's how I've come to know who God really is and that he really is good. And he really does love us, even though we have to sometimes go through suffering. And for some, it's unbelievable suffering. He's still right there in the middle of it with us. And he wants to bring us out to the other side. So are you saying that God was with you back in the rituals? I believe absolutely he was. Because where, how would you explain that? Where would you say he was? Because he obviously didn't stop it. Obviously, men have free will. And for what the way that he he really explained that to me was that he he could have intervened and he could have wiped out everybody that was abusing me. (laughs) Like he has the power to do that. But the way he explained it to me, how I could understand was that would have been more damaging to the way that I saw him than for him to be there with me and walk me through it. Um, I really believe with uh, DID, that's dissociative identity disorder, um, whenever you go through things that are extremely traumatic, especially as a child, my personal belief is that it is God's gift to us that he allows children to dissociate to create alternative parts of themselves to go through the abuse. Um, I think that's one way that he's with us in helping us to encapsulate that so it so that we can survive. So that's just so my- like giving you a toolbox as a child. Yes. Yes, that would be one way of looking at it. Um, and I, I, you know, I believe that I did receive him as Lord and Savior at a young age. So he actually was in me. The Holy Spirit was already in me, living inside of me and with me through all of that. Um, and, and, and to the best of what he could do, protecting me, protecting my heart, protecting my parts, even as I'm going through the abuse. I really believe that's the only way I was able to survive and to um, walk out healing even now. Now, for those of the, those that may be listening, that maybe your journey was you got saved later. I still believe that the Lord is present, even with those who don't know him, because he's always reaching out. He's always convicting. He's always, he's always wooing, right? He's there. He's present. It's not like he's far away from us. He knows all. He is, he's omnipresent. That's one of the, his natures. So that means he's present. Now, he might not be Lord of our life yet, but he's still present there. Um, and I know a lot of people really struggle with that. I know I struggled with that. Like, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you stop what was going on? But sometimes he has to walk us through it. And sometimes he gives us the protective mechanisms to do that until we can get to the other side and he can bring healing to our heart. I don't have all the answers. Don't claim to have all the answers. Do you feel like you're at the other side? Uh, I feel like I'm way closer than I used to be. <laughs> um, but so- I, in many ways I am, but there, there are places that he's still healing. And I just think that's a journey. So 
so what things to you show healing in your life? To me, um, one, I'm not depressed any longer. I do have times that I might slip there a little bit. I don't have suicidal um, thoughts or tendencies anymore. Um, I am able to function throughout my day on a fairly level of peace. There may be times that I get anxious or have, you know, fear. And some of those are normal, but that, you know, all of us experience. And sometimes they're over the top. And I know I've got something else to work on with the Lord. Um, Peace, though, is a really good indicator, I think. Uh, Joy is another really great indicator. When I started experiencing joy, it was like, wow, that's what that feels like. Like, that feels wonderful. Wow. Like my, my, my favorite thing to experience. Um, feeling compassion, just true gut compassion for people, for, um, your family, like really being able to love your family. Like for when my children were little, I really was numb. So I really didn't have those feelings. I had some, you know, as a mother, but, but I didn't have those deep feelings of compassion because I really was trying to stay numb. Um, Anyway, so that's those to me are really great indicators that um, you're you're getting to a good place of healing because you can experience those great um, emotions, but also it's, it's more than emotions. Um, like the joy is really an inward. Uh, it's more than just being happy, right? If you experience joy, it's more on the inside. And something the Holy Spirit releases inside of you. Uh, sometimes it means I'm laughing, but but there's just a, a a presence of His joy. And before I just I I was incapable of feeling that. So those are things that are indicators to me that I'm on the right track. Um, absolutely, still have things to work on. Still in journey. Still in process. Might be for the rest of my life. I don't know, but. I know that each level that I reach with him, I get to know him more. I get to experience his love more. And, and that part's amazing. So, wow. You know, the, this verse about, uh, that Paul says about, um, he prays that we understand the height, the depth, the width, you know, the length of God's love. Like, I feel like I just have like a drop of it right now. But I, I'm, the more I get to experience it, the more I want to experience it, the, the bigger that grows. And that, that's a good place to be in a good journey. When you're shut down and you're hiding and you're uh, numb or depressed or those type of things, that, those are good indicators that you, there's some process that you need to do with the Lord. So is it worth it? Because I think <laughs> healing from SRA is easier than going through SRA, but I think it's a very close second pain-wise. Absolutely. So is it worth it to go through the healing? That That is a great question because there's been some times that I've thought, I don't know if this is worth it, Lord. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just to be quite honest. Right. Uh, you know, you're opening up stuff that you, there was a reason why you forgot. And there was a reason why... Um, you know, that you had those parts. So to answer that question, honestly, um, you know, when I was in the middle of it, I might not have thought that it would have been worth it. 
but I knew I just needed to keep putting one foot in front of the other because to not put one foot in front of the other uh, meant a drugged up mama, basically, or worse, that I didn't make it. And so that wasn't an acceptable alternative for me. So I just simply kept going forward. I kept putting one foot in front of the other, as painful as it may have been. Um, And now that I've experienced a lot of healing and a lot of restoration, yes, it has definitely been worth it. I wouldn't trade the relationship I have with the Lord. I wouldn't trade the ability to love on my kids and my husband now like I can. Um, There's so many wonderful benefits of having been willing to go through it. With that said, I really believe that whatever journey you're on needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. If you're, if you are at the beginning of this journey, um, you know, I I really would encourage anybody to to be led by the Holy Spirit and and for him to show them, ask, Lord, what journey you want me to take? How do I process this out? Because at some points in my journey, I was hard on myself and I made the, the journey a lot more difficult than it had to be. Um, because I simply was trying to get finished as fast as I could. Right. I wasn't loving to myself. I wasn't patient with myself. Um, I demanded a lot of myself and that really put me in some bad places. Right. Um, the Lord is way more gentle than we are. And his love, the first, I love it in, uh, first Corinthians 13, the first word he uses to describe his love is patience. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know? And so a lot of times he is so much more patient with us than we are. And we can create our own issues by not being loving and patient towards ourselves. Right. So, you know, that, that part of it, um, is it worth it? Absolutely. Uh, but make sure you're being led by the Holy Spirit in that journey. And he's, his grace is there too. You know, when we screw up and we make mistakes and we aren't kind to ourselves, his grace is still there. Like he loves us so much, so much more than we can ever imagine. So he's wanting us to be free way more than we do. Um, so that lean back into that process with him and um, trust him that he'll help. And trust is a big word. I know, you know. Trust is hard, especially <laughs> when things have been screwed up. But um, but he he takes even the smallest. You know the the word says that he won't he won't snuff out a smoldering wick. So even if we're just a smolder, even if we just have a little bit of spark, he's not going to snuff that out. Like he's going to gently get us to the next step and the next place and where he wants us to be. So. But yeah, the journey's definitely worth it from the viewpoint that I have now. So you've gone through a lot of this, but can you bullet point for me a little of what you've learned in this whole process? Okay, let me see if I can bullet point. <laughs> um, or take longer. But, I just, yeah, I know you've yeah. gone through several of them. So, I mean, as far as valuable things that I've learned, Probably the biggest valuable thing 
would be that um, God really is good, that he really does love us, and he really does want an intimate, intimate in the sense of closeness. I want to make sure I'm clarifying my words, okay? So um, he wants a close relationship with us in a healthy way. He wants the best for us. Um, he, in the journey, I think the biggest thing I learned about myself was um, that it's okay to be broken. Oh, yeah. That the Lord accepts me broken. Um, and there's actually beauty in that because whenever I am broken and I allow Jesus to come into my brokenness and he, you know, the word says he came to heal the brokenhearted, to set at liberty those who are captives, right? So in my brokenness, um, he presses into that and he brings beauty out of it and he brings healing to it, but he's not afraid of it, right? Like he went, he, you know, he went to the broken. He, he said that, you know, he didn't come for the ones that were healthy. He came for the ones that were sick, the ones that needed help. And so um, knowing it's okay to need help. It's okay to be broken, that, that Jesus is going to meet me in that brokenness and bring wholeness to me right there in the middle of it. Um, the other thing, uh, he's really, he really is a lot more powerful than the enemy. You know, I had the I had the enemy as a pretty big dude, and and he is, in some regards, but God is so much bigger than he is, and there were so many times in my in those places I saw like the enemy just flee, whenever Jesus would show up, like everything began to change, like God is so much bigger than the enemy. So, do uh, we need to be afraid of the demonic? I, uh, from what I read in scripture that we shouldn't be afraid of anything now are there times that we do get afraid yes but i've also seen jesus be very gentle a lot of times people in the church are will be like um well you shouldn't be afraid you know or it it feels like condemnation um if you are afraid uh i don't i believe that jesus knows our fears and he's right there to bring us out of those fears because fear, fear has, again, fear has to do with punishment. In perfect love, the Bible says, perfect love casts out all fear. So the answer to having fear is having his perfect love. The more we understand his perfect love, the less we're going to be afraid. It's just an automatic. It's an automatic um, consequence. The more we understand his perfect love, the less we'll be afraid. So trying to make yourself not afraid is not the answer, right? Right. The, and that's what we usually try to do. We try to, you know, find ways to cope with the fear or with anxiety, whatever. But that's not the answer. The answer is experiencing and knowing the perfect love of God. Because when we experience and know that, then it casts out all fear. So you're saying, look at God. Don't look at the devil. Don't, don't be impressed by the demonic. Look, at, look to God. Yeah. Cause he's, he is perfect love. So right. the 
we experience God in his perfect love, then the less power, if you want to say, the enemy has on us, the less hold that he has on us. Um, are there times that we need to be delivered of certain things that, that we've come in agreement with, with the enemy, like lies maybe that we've believed? Yes, absolutely. We come out of agreement with the enemy and his lies and we come in agreement with what God is saying about us or the situation and those lies get diminished or taken away, actually not diminished, but completely wiped away, then the enemy doesn't have a foothold anymore. He doesn't have a landing pad anymore. And it's way easier to combat that if you're not believing the lies that he tries to put there. Um, anyway, there, there's a whole bunch more I can say about all that. But the, the point is, God is love, and the more we focus on the love of God and experience that love, the less the enemy will have a hold in our life, um, just across the board. So I'm trying to think, is there anything else that I really <clears throat> learned through that process? But those are, I think that was the main, the main areas that I really learned about who God was, or who God is, and who he's created me to be. That's really a key too, knowing who he has created you to be, because now I understand from those experiences that I'm a daughter, that, that um, I'm loved by him, I'm beloved by him, that I'm his bride. Those are things that he continually still speaks to me. And as those things become a part of who I am, that, that's something, my identity in Christ, that's something that the enemy can't take from me because that has replaced his lies with truth. Right. That's got to happen at a really core level because if we still have all these places back there in us where those lies were embedded so strongly, like with SRA, it's, it's not, it's strong how the enemy embeds those lies. Um, maybe it's, you know, I'm not worthy or I'm not, or... Um, like one of the biggest lies was that I'll always be a sacrifice and like the whole concept of sacrifice being so twisted, you know, Jesus, he sacrificed himself for us, but his love doesn't require, it requires us to obey him, right? Cause we obey out of love, but he doesn't demand us to be a, a sacrifice like it's twisted in the scripture, twisted, not in the scripture, twisted by people who are trying to abuse. Um, I hope that that makes sense. A lot of, a lot of SRA survivors even have a trigger with the word sacrifice. Right. You know, that's a very hard concept to really grasp onto. Um, because God, God's love is sacrificial in nature, but he doesn't demand that of us. Right to be like what they try to make you to believe. So um, I think I got on a rabbit trail there. <laughs> no, you're fine. What would you like to say to SRA survivors that may be listening? All right. To the SRA survivors out there, uh, my biggest thing is don't give up. Uh, I know that the journey may seem so uphill and so overwhelming sometimes that, that you don't even know which way is up. But my biggest 
my biggest thing would be don't don't give up um keep putting one foot in front of the other and as hard as it may be to trust in a god that you may not even um really have feel like you have much of a relationship with just from one survivor to another or one overcomer to another um he he really is good and he really does love you and he really does want you to be free of the lies and the the fear and the anger um he wants you to live a life of freedom and it and there is a way out he promises that there's a way out of it so as hard as that is to trust um my biggest thing would be don't give up keep keep asking keep um looking for him and it may it may not be in the four walls of the church i i I can't say that i got any of my healing really as far as like from um, now i'm talking about sra healing all of that ministry came outside of the church did were there like in the church there were loving people in the church okay there were also people that were not (laughs) right well that were judgmental there were loving people in the church that supported and cared for me, but they did not have the equipment or the tools to help me get free of the stuff. The people that had that were out actually outside of the church because normally church leadership doesn't uh, accept that in the, in the four walls. Am I making sense? Yeah. Okay. So the ministers I'm talking about, they weren't church ministers. They were, outside of the church have their own ministries outside of the church that's where i have found those tools so so when you're searching you probably aren't going to find it within the four walls it's probably going to be some organizations outside with that said um on my website i do have a resource section that has a list of ministries a actually a really long list Um, And I also gleaned a lot of that from another friend of mine who um, does inner healing work. And she has lots of resources. So there's a ton of resources on there where you can find people that can help you or lead you to the next step of healing that you need. What is your website address? um, For F-O-R, the T-H-E, silenced. S I L E N C E D ones O N E S dot com. Okay. That's just the title of the book. But in those resources are in the back of the book as well. Um, but they also, if you, you're not interested in the book, you think you'll be triggered, whatever. Those resources are also on the website. And I also do blog on that website. So where can they find your book? The book is on Amazon, um, and it also, within probably by the 1st of May, I will have an audiobook of it out, which I actually um, love the audiobook, if you can say that word for my story. Uh, and one of the things that I do want to point out about that, about the book itself, um, I intentionally gave it a great ending. <laughs> 
I want everybody to know that because I hate books that have bad endings <laughs> or sad endings. But the things that were in the ending actually did happen. They might not have happened in the order, but they actually did happen. And so, um, or maybe a little bit different way, but the, the core of it did. And so I, I want to, I want you to understand this isn't a book just about exposing SRA. The book is about healing. The book is about the redeeming love of God and experiencing the love of God in the worst places, in the darkest places, and the walk out of that. I don't want anybody to read halfway through the book and be stuck. Like, if you get stuck, just read the end of the book anyway. <laughs> right. Or, or listen to it. Because um, it's not about the exposure. Like, the exposure just was written so that people would have an understanding of what SRA looks like. Like, I felt like people in general needed to, you need, there needs to be an understanding of what that looks like. But the, pro, the healing of the journey is, is the point of the book. Right. Which I love about your book. I really, really love that aspect of it. Um, the, the title for the silenced ones, how did, what does that mean to you? To me, it, it means those whose voices were taken from them. So like a child who is abused and they're told they cannot speak, you know, if you speak, then you are going to die or your family's going to die or this bad thing's going to happen. Those voices that have been silenced by abuse. So the book title is, that's what the book's for, is for those whose voices have been taken, whose voices have been silenced by abuse. Um, Another way of saying it would be for the least of these. Jesus said, what you did to the least of these, you've done unto me. So that that would be another terminology to, to use because those who have been abused through sexual trauma or through SRA or other forms of abuse, physical abuse, um, they are the least of these. They are the ones that, that, um, that people in society may not, uh, sometimes you're not even believed, you know, that your story's true or whatever. Some, some of it's that, but it's, it's those whose voices have been silenced for them um, to give you a voice again. Because I, I really believe that's part of that healing journey is being able to process your story and then to be able to, to overcome by sharing your story. Right. I love but that. Anymore. So. Right. One last question. What okay. would you like to say to society? So society at large. Um, I think that, that that's the the two aspects of the book was one for abuse survivors to read it um, so or listen to it so that they can help them in their own healing journey. But then the other part of it is for um, ex exposure or maybe understanding would be a better word. So for society at large, um, you know, my, my, my heart is that, that people would, would really, be willing to see and be willing to hear the voice of the silenced ones because I feel like it's really too easy to look the other way 
And the more society looks the other way at evil, um, the more it will be perpetuated. I feel like this is a time of exposure from the, like the Lord wants to expose things. He wants to bring things in the light. He wants to bring justice, but that comes through people. He doesn't act outside of us. He acts through us. Right. And that's where that free will thing comes in. And so for society in law at large, my, my heart's prayer and cry would be that um, as a society, as a, a, a church body at large, and even those outside of the church, um, that there would be willing to hear and willing to listen and willing to see those that have been abused, that have been hurting, and even the abuser, because they're hurting too. They're just acting out of that, right? Right. They, they've been duped and they've been lied to and they have their anger and their, and their um, disassociation too. But they're also hurting. As long as it stays hidden and it stays in the dark, then it's going to be perpetuated. Everybody loses. The, the abuser loses because they get to continue on in their abusive nature. And eventually it will catch up with them eventually there will be justice and there will be judgment for them if, if they don't turn around and give their hearts to the Lord and, and find that love. It, the abuser definitely loses, right? Because yeah. it gets perpetuated. through. And a lot of times this is generational stuff and family lines and communities, which you know that, Lisa. Right. You know, oftentimes it's the whole community that's involved in this. And, and though I, I did move around a lot, we always found it, right? <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that last night with your story. Yeah. I mean, you lived in the same place and it was all in your community. But for us, like, it was like a homing device on my, my father or something because he always found the groups, right? So anyway, um, but the, the point is, is that if people would be willing to see it and be willing to hear the stories and and to believe them and not just push them to the side. And this is evil in general, right? In our world. Yeah. If, if we, if you're willing to bring stuff into the light, then stuff can get fixed. Right. But as long as we continue to look the other way and excuse behavior and try to hide it, which is really common in the church, especially. Yeah. Um, as long as we try to do that, it can't be dealt with. Like God, ha- we have to bring it into the light. And when we do, when we bring things into the light, then we have a just God, but we also have a loving God who wants to help us and bring restoration and bring healing. If, if, we, if we don't, we're going to be perpetuating the evil in our society and it's just going to continue to get worse as we you know, I mean, we look around well no if you ignore it it's it's going to be on your doorstep right but if if we start to take action um i was randomly was talking to somebody yesterday and about all of this and, and she was like what do i she she told me what do i need to do to take action and we were talking about sex trafficking. What do I need to do to take action? We've got to start taking action in our communities. 
there are people out there that want to, they just don't know how. Right. Part of it is just in the listening and in the being willing to hear the story, being willing to say, God, what, what can I do to help? And it might just be loving the person sitting next to you in church. Yeah. You know, um, it might be pointing them to, uh, a place where they can receive some healing. And if you don't know, you know, find those resources and, and point them there. Um, anyway, that, that would be my biggest thing is, is be open to, to see the person sitting next to you because they, they deserve to be seen. They were created by God and they deserve to have a voice. And they're probably hurting and you don't know it. I think survivors are probably the best at hiding their stuff. I can't tell you how many people have told me, you are the most, you know, peaceful person. And I'm like, you have no idea. Because we're trained to be that way. And, but you've got to be willing to hear somebody's story. To sit there and look in their eyes. And to... Allow yourself to be vulnerable so that they can be vulnerable. And they might not even know. They might be like me, not even know why they feel the way they do. But, but you know, the Lord has that healing journey for all of us. And I just believe that he, he loves us. He wants us to be whole. He wants us to be healthy. He wants us to thrive in him and to walk in freedom. Because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. So, but we have to walk out that that journey of freedom with him anyway so well thank you for being so brave to share your story so that others can listen and begin that process of taking it in I mean it, it takes people that have the strength that you have to speak like you did today to write your story so thank you so very very much well Lisa I feel like uh <laughs> I have lessons to learn from you. So (laughs) I don't know about that. I've learned so much. You certainly are one of the most courageous women that I know. And um, I so appreciate you really uh, blazing the trail there uh, for a lot of other people to be able to walk in healing and to be able to share their story without fear of repercussion. I think that's one of the beautiful things about your journey. And I, I just want you to know, I really appreciate you allowing me to be on here today. It really, truly is an honor. Um, not something I would have ever expected a few years ago. So, anyway. well, When it came down to who's going to be my first guest, <laughs> it, it just had to be you. So like, I've learned so much from your book. We've been friends now for about a year, mm-hmm. just getting to know you. And I've learned so much just about healing from reading your book just being able to bring God into wherever I am, like going there immediately, God, where are you? Mm-hmm. I need you right now. And then just immediately opening to hear from him. Yeah. It's just life-changing for me. So thank you. You're welcome. Anybody that reads your book is going to be very blessed. So uh, thanks again so very, very much. And again, you can find Sharice's book for the silenced ones by Sharice Milan on Amazon. Thanks a lot, Sharice. Thank you. you Have a- Bye-bye.